0: Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now.
1: We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello!
0: My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
1: Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct.
0: When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Dude, oh, awesome.
0: Man. All right. Well, before we get to that, first of all, I, I'm going to just go ahead and stop that right now because otherwise we're going to get too caught up in the music. And
1: mm-hmm. mm,
0: Man. Okay. Um, so before we get to all that, welcome. You are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. I have with me my co-host, Pat Canigallo. Hello, Pat. Hey. Hey, hey. How are you doing? Reed.
1: Doing well. Reed. John Reed.
0: John Reed. That's
1: all we have to do. That's all we have to introduce ourselves. We and, should you know.
0: for the for the James Bond movies because we're gonna do one like every two years or so. Yep. Uh What eighty nine? We'll be doing License to Kill. So. Yep. Yep.
1: I'm not excited or anything.
0: Cantagallo, Pratt, Cantagallo.
1: Dude, eighty nine. That's that's Batman. That's Batman. Year. It's Brothers. the
0: year you've been waiting for since we started this whole thing.
1: <laughs> oh man. And we are only and,
0: two and, years uh, away.
1: And uh license, I think I said Blues Brothers. I meant License to Kill. Yeah. More Bond. I think Memphis Bell came out there. Jeez. There yeah. were a lot of good movies in the 80s, it's, John.
0: You know what? I was doing a... Um, somebody put up on Twitter the other day, uh, I think it was a comic book artist that I follow, or a comic book writer that I follow, and he put up a thing on his uh, Twitter feed where he did a list, and he listed every year since his birth year, and he listed his favorite movie from each year. Okay. And the moment I saw that, I was like, now I have to do that, too. Yep. So... Um, yeah, no. So I went through and I listed, and you know what I found was that the, the, the rest of the years that we have in the eighties, awesome stuff, especially this year. And when you hit 89 and, and then it was like in the nineties, it just goes, yeah, you know, there are some good ones, but like, I think it was like 1990, I had to look for a little while until I found one where I was like, "Uh, okay, I guess that would be my favorite from 1990. Yeah, I don't know, There's just certain years because um, I, well, here, I'll, I'll go down my list real quick. Um, yeah, go down your list. And but you, Actually, we should do this as one of our shows at some point, but I'll do mine really fast and then you guys can, you know, people listening can criticize or you guys who know me can criticize me in person. Um, so, uh, favorite movies every year. I'm not going to do <laughs> commentary on these. I'll just do the year and what the movie is so we can go through okay. it fast. Um, Alright, so starting with 1980, born in 80, um, The Empire Strikes Back, 81, Raiders of the Lost Ark, 82 Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan 83 Return of the Jedi 84 Amadeus 85 Back to the Future 86 Aliens 87 Princess Bride 88 Willow 89 Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade 90 Edward Scissorhands 91 Terminator 2: Judgment Day 92 Army of Darkness 93 Tombstone 94 Pulp Fiction 95 Braveheart, 96 Mission Impossible, 97 Austin Powers, 98 Dark City, 99 Fight Club, 2000 oh Brother Where Art Thou, 01 Moulin Rouge, 02 Lord of the Rings Two Towers, 03 Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl, 04 Hellboy, 05 V for Vendetta, 06 mm-hmm. Casino Royale, another Bond movie, 07 National Treasure Book of Secrets, uh, 08, The Dark Knight, 09, Zombieland, 10, uh, Inception, 2011, Captain America, First Avenger, 2012, The Avengers, 2013, Man of Steel, 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy, 2015, The Force Awakens, 2016, Rogue One, and 2017, I said Logan so far, but mm-hmm. Alien, Covenant, or The Last Jedi will probably replace Logan later. Mm-hmm. So that's my list. And there were a couple of those years that I really agonized on. In particular, I think 93, uh, I sat there for a while, and I'm like, Tombstone or Jurassic Park? Tombstone or Jurassic Park? And I I sat there for a good five minutes trying to decide, what do I put down, Tombstone or Jurassic Park? Right. If I could have Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday riding a T-Rex, I'd be fine.
1: Yeah, there it is.
0: But they didn't actually, they made that movie a few years later with Harrison Ford. But no, no, no. That wasn't the, the Cowboys and Dinosaurs. That was the Cowboys, Cowboys and Aliens.
1: Cowboys and Aliens.
0: Yeah. There is a comic book, I think, called Cowboys and Dinosaurs. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. It's a cool list. And, you know, yeah, so you might not do your favorite movies, but if you're locked into one per year, I mean, Jurassic Park and um, Tombstone might beat out for example the movies that came out in 94 but you've got to only list one from 93 and you have to pick one from 94 right
0: so and there yeah, were cool. there were ones there were ones during those years where i was like oh that's a great movie that's and that's a, i really like that movie but then i started to think to okay do i judge favorite movie by the one that i look at and i go that's the highest quality movie from that year in my opinion or do i look at it and i go that's the movie from that year that i would watch over and over again if i had the chance to Right. So, like, what do you? What is even your favorite movie? You know, because yeah. eighty four, I did the same thing. I was like, Ghostbusters or Amadeus. Ghostbusters, I would watch more often. Mm-hmm. Amadeus, I think, is just an awesome movie. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight.
0: There you go. See. So I, it was just kind. Of, it was kind of a fun exercise to go through all those and be like, okay, what per year? If I had to break it down to, if I had to just narrow it down to just one, and some of those years were pretty tough. Some were not. Like '90 was not tough. Edward Scissorhands. I put that one there because I looked at the other movies from '90. I was like, uh, yeah, nah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's pick Edward Scissorhands. And I think another one was '97. I think the Austin Powers year. There were a couple of others that year. I was like, "Eh, let's just do Austin Powers. And the other one was um, 2007, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Mm -hmm. By far, I mean, it's good. It's not as good as the first National Treasure. Um, But I looked at that year, and I was like, I don't think I saw a whole lot of movies that year. And of the ones that I did see and have seen since then, no. 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 Well, but those those are, of course, baby years too. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: John was a baby in 2007, so we didn't go see a whole lot of movies. Same thing, same thing with 2010. We missed a few movies that year. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, so it was kind of a fun exercise. So if you want to do it at some point, we can. You can come on here next time and read off your list.
1: Yeah, man, I'm doing that tonight. There you go. I'm gonna do that when we're done.
0: There you go. After you watch Mr. T dancing.
1: After I go watch Mr. T dance. There you go. And the Matrix. There you go. But so that was our conversation from a month ago.
0: I know. Now I have to go. Now I have to go watch that again too. All right. Well, real quick before we get into our James Bond stuff, I had uh, I think one, and this is not new movie news. This is now. This is going to be a little bit old by the time uh, this episode gets put out there. They have um, they have officially canceled. Uh Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator 6 movie, which kind of knew that was going to happen because I th- I thought I heard a while ago that James Cameron was just going to reboot the whole thing. Um okay. and I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has officially said he's not interested in coming back uh for any more movies. The other thing that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was um Anthony Mackey, uh the guy who plays Falcon in the Avengers movies. Okay. He uh, there something I put up something a little while back that said he would like to play Blade if they did a Blade remake.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So, I know, did you ever watch any of the Blade movies? I did. Yeah. Now, those are good movies. Those are kind of... Some of those, they're, they're not quite as philosophical or cerebral as nope. the uh, Matrix movies that we had talked about a while ago, but... um I, I like those movies, and I th- Dude, I, th- I think he, I like he, all ramp. three of them. I know some people don't like the third one as much, but... um, So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if he has the same edge to him that Wesley Snipes does. Yeah. I don't know. He'll
1: bring his own touch to it. He'll yeah. bring his own touch
0: to it. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I saw yeah. that the other day, and I, I didn't know if you had ever watched any of the Blade movies or what your yeah. take on that would be if they decided to do that.
1: Dude, a vampire hunter that drives around, I think, in a Dodge Charger.
0: Yeah, I think gets so. gets into
1: a chase with Ducati motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Count me in. I'll check go. that out.
0: As long as there's a motorcycle, you're pretty much in.
1: That's, I'm all in, man. Yeah. yeah, Blade was great. That was great.
0: I love Especially that first one. I think I watched, I think when I got my first DVD player, that was one of the first DVDs I ever bought. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would, I mean, it's a horrible movie to put on when you're falling asleep at night. But I think mm-hmm. like down in my, I had a, my bedroom at my parents' house when I was in college was down in the basement and it had no windows. And when I went down there and closed the door and was going to bed, it was totally just pitch black, dark down there. But I would always, I had a TV and a DVD player down there and I would always put something on while I was falling asleep. And I remember the the summer that I was down in that room, I would put on uh, just, Repeatedly put on uh, the first Blade movie, mm-hmm. uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, with Jim mm-hmm. Caviezel and Guy Pierce. And mm-hmm. uh, I would go to the library and I would rent the season of the Sopranos that I had missed. I would just watch through all those. That's cool. I don't know why I would put on Blade right before going to bed. Not a good choice, especially when you've got an overactive imagination like mine.
1: Yep, hard to figure, but you yeah. still did it.
0: Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah. So no, I, I I those Blade movies were awesome. Yes. So I'm 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 probably a little more excited for that. You know, we talked a, f- a few weeks ago about the Matrix remake that they're talking about. I think I would be more excited for a Blade remake than I would a Matrix one. Because mm-hmm. we talked before, and I kind of said Matrix, you know, it could have been a one and done movie, and I would have been totally fine with that. The Blade movies. They're just fun to me. They're more like the superhero movies, and like the the more superhero movies you give me, the happier I'm going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'm with you. All right. Well, should we talk Bond?
1: Yes. I mean, do you, do you do
0: even Bond. feel like it at this point? I mean, I kind of feel like it's. Do we need to? I think we need to. You I think, think we, we owe it to?
1: to Timothy Dalton.
0: Okay. I. You know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm 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 a fan. I'm a fan of this bond. I'll just go ahead and say that up front before we even get to talking about it. I like this bond. So yep. Yeah. All right. I I think and I think you and I agree on this. So we're going to be you know we we don't have any naysayers with us this time. Which you know sometimes it's nice to have somebody else come in and and say what they don't like about it. And I know Mm -hmm. some of the other guys uh, couldn't be here tonight, but I know that they are not fans of this movie. In fact, I think it was Bo and Bo. You can always. Call, call in line. and call the love line and let us know if we're if we're totally wrong in this. But Bo, I think, said that this was either his least favorite Bond movie or his next to least favorite.
1: Uh, well, you know.
0: So. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. You know, hey, different strokes for different folks.
1: Every, each man is entitled so, to his opinion.
0: That is right, and some are more correct than the others. Uh, yeah. So we are on episode number one twenty three of the thirty something movie podcast. We are going to spoil the heck out of the living daylights. We're going to spoil the living daylights. Living
1: daylights out of the living out daylights. of the living
0: daylights. Yeah. daylights. Um, so, if you have not seen the movie yet, go see the movie. Come on back, uh, and then and then join us. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair, or, or sit down in your car or whatever wherever you're going to be listening to this. Come on in. We'll we'll talk about it together. Um, you could leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for those that have already left us a review. We really yeah, appreciate that. Uh, you know, just you know, getting the word out about the show and and let people know we're here and and we've got a, a little bit of a different concept. You know, other shows will talk about movies and they'll kind of jump around a little bit and that's totally fine. That's that's cool. Um, our concept is we are going to go through. So again, if this is the first time you're joining us, this is kind of the way our show works. Is we are working through movies that are reaching their 30th anniversary. So since we are in the year 2017, all of our movies this year come from 1987. And so you have reached us in the midst of our, actually at the end of our Crime and Punishment Month. So we're finishing off March with uh, Crime and Punishment movies. We've done Dragnet. We've done The Untouchables. And we're, we're finishing off, we did uh, RoboCop and Lethal Weapon, and so we're finishing it off with uh, The Living Daylights. And uh, we're going to be moving on into April with, uh, I think we're starting off with the Princess Bride. is going to be our first mm-hmm. one. We've got a whole bunch of other, I think, Chipmunk Adventure, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Masters of the Universe. So it's going to be a good April coming up, too.
1: It, it is, and I'm just going to say, Crime and Punishment Month has been a winner. Well, I've really enjoyed Crime and Punishment
0: those are, Month. Those are your kind of movies.
1: I, I think so. You know. I
0: think so. You were, uh, you, you kind of, and I know you were busy with other work stuff too, but you, you kind of I fell off the true. radar a little bit during February when it was more of the, uh, like the moonstruck and the. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I, I liked that movie. I, I was, I dug it. It was yeah. fun. I, you know, but yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's yeah not the, it's, I for you, it's not the me. same caliber as the uh, lethal weapons and the dragnets of the world.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> definitely not. I remember when you said that it was uh, uh, when you were like, well, "Here's what we've got for March," and it was just like, "Wow, that's <laughs> a great
0: month." Like, can we fast well, forward we through February? Out?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: All right. Uh-huh. Well, so this time around, we are going to be talking about the Living Daylights. Um, this is I don't remember what number of Bond movie it is, but it is the. It came out on the year that was the 20th anniversary. Uh, of Bond. I'm sorry, not 20th, 25th anniversary of Bond. And uh, so for this one, it came out on July 31st, 1987. It was rated PG, the last Bond movie to be rated PG. All the other ones afterwards were rated PG-13. Director for this one was John Glenn, not the astronaut. Uh, He also directed For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A Few to a Kill, License to Kill, and Aces, Iron Eagle 3. Uh, producer for this one, there were a couple producers, Albert R. Broccoli, who died in 1996, and he did everything James Bond up to the point that, that he died. Uh, and then I think his, is it his daughter or his wife?
1: I think his daughter.
0: His daughter. I think it's his daughter. Is Barbara Broccoli? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And as a kid, I always called it Broccoli, but I think it's supposed to be Broccoli. Rocket steam. That's You were right. Um, so now she's taken over. Uh, Michael G. Wilson was a writer and producer for this one. He did pretty much all the James Bond movies from Moonraker to The Current as a producer. And he also did the screenplay for this one. Also did For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, License to Kill, and James Bond Jr., the TV series that they did. Uh, Richard Maybaum also did the screenplay. He died in 1991. He did the 1956 version of the movie Ransom, the one that Mel Gibson did uh, years later with Gary Sinise. Uh, I think that one was 1996, mm-hmm. maybe, 96, 97, somewhere around there. Uh, he also did nearly every Bond movie from Dr. No to License to Kill. And License to Kill was his last one before he died. Ian Fleming, uh, of course, did all the stories for James Bond, and this one was based off of a book. I think the book was titled Octopussy and the Living Daylights, mm-hmm. and it was a series of short stories. I actually have a little uh, a little uh, clip, not a clip, but a excerpt, from this short story of how it was kind of originally written, uh, the, the first couple of sentences or so. Uh, so he did everything James Bond. He died in 1964. Music uh, was done by John Barry. So when we played the James Bond theme at the opening there, that was the, the iconic John Barry, James Bond music. He died in 2011. He did every James Bond from Dr. No to Living Daylights. So this was the last one he did the music for. Uh, he also did soundtracks for Somewhere in Time, Out of Africa, uh, Dennis's personal favorite, Howard the Duck, and Dances with Wolves. The budget for this one was $40 million, and the box office was $191.2 million. So I think it did okay. I think so. Yeah.
1: Hey, just a note about that Bond thing, too. The guy that played the guitar, the... Yeah. Was, uh, I heard him interviewed on public radio about a year ago. Really interesting guy and an interesting story. I guess when the, the uh, uh, original guy was writing the, the soundtrack or writing the theme, he was like, you know, there's something missing. I just need to add something into this. Uh, uh, you know, there's just something missing. And he hired this gu- this guitar guy in who was like the studio, you know, first call studio guitarist. And the guitarist took one listen and said, oh, well, here's what you're missing. You know, you've got this like, this, this. Orchestral kind of uh, dramatic sound. You need to throw in a little bit of, you know, when it was the '60s, you need to throw in a little bit of surf, you know, surf rock guitar kind of thing. And so he threw that lick in after the guy had, if, if I remember the story correctly, he threw that lick in after the guy had finished composing it. And you had like, you know, the, the the iconic James Bond thing, but kind of an interesting twist on how how it all came together.
0: That's cool. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. So. Awesome. I think I
1: got that story right, too. Okay. I mean, I, I think it was. He just is like, oh, you need to add this in. And it was like a completely contrasting sound. Yeah.
0: You, know? well, you so. want to know the really cool thing? Even if you got that story wrong, I'm not going to know. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. So, um, All right. So this one starring Timothy Dalton as James Bond, his first outing as James Bond, although it was not originally intended to be his first outing, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. He was James Bond in this one and in License to Kill. So only two movies for him. He was also in Flash Gordon, License to Kill. As I said, he was the villain in The Rocketeer, one of the other greatest movies ever made. You know what I just realized? What? The Rocketeer was. You not... got to change
1: your vote for a movie I, from I have, that came out in '92.
0: I have to change my vote because The Rocketeer was not on my list. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, was Rocketeer okay, so 1990? Came out with-
0: Was Rocketeer 1990? No, Rocketeer was 91. Okay. What movie did I say for 91? Terminator 2, Judgment Day? All right, I got to switch it.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I got to switch that one. I wish it was 90 because then I could throw Edward Scissorhands out and put Rocketeer there, but... Okay, so 91, I got to throw out Terminator 2 as much as I love that movie. Throw it out. Rocketeer's got to go there. Oh, man, I can't... Now... Now see, I'm questioning every choice i made on that list. <laughs> now I might have to go back and do it again. Well, I'm going to be okay.
1: doing it later tonight, man.
0: Okay, all right. Well, so anyway, he was the villain in The Rocketeer. He was in the movie Hot Fuzz, Toy Story 3, and the TV series Penny Dreadful. Uh, Miriam Dabo was Kara Malovi, and she was in a movie called Extro, Helen of Troy, and Dorian Gray. Uh, I'm going to mess up this guy's name. It was the guy that played uh, Yorgi. It was Jeron Crabe. Jérôme Crabbe, that works. Uh, General Yorgi Koskov, he was in The Fugitive, Immortal Beloved, and Transporter 3. Joe Don Baker played Brad Whitaker. He was in Fletch, Leonard Part 6, one of the worst movies of 1987, which we will be talking about later this year. Um, Cape Fear, GoldenEye, and Tomorrow Never Dies, because he ended up playing, uh, what was the guy's name? Was it Jack? Oh, man, what was the guy's name? Like,
1: Jack,
0: Jack Weber. He was a good guy. He was a CIA agent in GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies.
1: Yeah, I do remember him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was the arms dealer in this one. He was the bad guy, but then in those two movies he was a different character and he was a good guy. So, ah, man, I forget what his name was. Yeah. But yeah, he was a, a CIA agent.
1: Like from oh, Station Chief
0: somewhere I think. Right. Uh John Rhys Davies played General Leonid Pushkin. He was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, King Solomon's Mines. Uh, he was because we just did the the TV uh, the uh, movie. Um, I wanted to mention he was also in the Untouchables the TV series from 1993 to
1: 1994.
0: Uh, he was also in yeah he was uh, he was the character of Malone. So he was Sean Connery's character in uh, in the Untouchables TV show. Cool. Uh, he was in Sliders and he was in the Lord of the Rings movies as Gimli. Uh, Art Malik played Cameron Shaw. He was in or Cameron Shaw. He was in uh, True Lies, Borgia, the TV series, and Homeland, the TV series. Andreas Wisniewski played Necros, who was in Die Hard, Mission Impossible, and Centurion. Thomas Wheatley played Saunders. He was in Where Angels Fear to Tread, Death at a Funeral. Desmond Llewellyn, who died in 1999, played Q. He was in every James Bond movie from, uh, from, Russia, from Russia with Love to The World is Not Enough. He was also in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, not to be confused with the Japanese.
1: Also written by Eden Fleming.
0: Was it really? Yeah, it was. No. The book was
1: written, which is kind of contrasting with uh, you know, his James Bond kind of thing. I did Okay, not, I'm interrupting you. I did not uh, realize
0: to... that. Well, I was going to say it contrasts a little bit with the Japanese name for James Bond, which is Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There you go. So, uh, Robert Brown died in 2003. He played M. He was in The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, actually, he was in all the movies from The Spy Who Loved Me to License, of License to Kill. Jeffrey Keene, who died in 2005, was the Minister of Defense. He was in all the movies from The Spy Who Loved Me to The Living Daylights. He was also in a TV show called Mogul and the uh, movie Dr. Zhivago. Uh, Walter Gottel, who died in 1997, played General Anatole Gogol. He was in the movies from The Spy Who Loved Me to The Living Daylights. He was also in The African Queen. Uh, Caroline Bliss played Miss Moneypenny. She was just in this one and License to Kill. And John Terry played Felix Leiter. He was in Full Metal Jacket of Mice and Men and the TV series Lost. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 70%. The audience gave it a 66%. Um, So actually critics liked this one better than the audience did. Ebert gave this one two stars. So we can can start off with a comment on the Ebert stuff once we get through everything and play the trailer. Um, But... uh, You know what? Actually, I'm going to come back to the Ebert stuff, because I want to get through the rest of this. We'll play the trailer. We'll do a little bit of the background. But I want to come back to the Ebert stuff, so I'm not going to read it right now. Um, CinemaScore, people gave it an A. So when they left the theater, people were happy with this movie. Uh, That's what CinemaScore measures. Uh, Awards for this one, John Barry won a BMI Film Music Award for this one. Not only is there a new Bond in town, but it's a new world for Bond. The Cold War is coming to an end. Relationships with Russia are taking on a new tone. But when the extraction of a Russian defector goes south, Bond must unravel the mystery of a cello playing assassin and a plot to murder 007 himself. The name that means excitement is back Bond. James Bond.
1: That girl must be very talented. Shoot up. Believe me, my interest in her is purely professional. What is this? I've had a few optional
0: extras installed.
1: Wherever he goes,
0: adventure follows. Two of our men are dead. Koskov's named you. Then I must die.
1: Eliminate him.
0: Kill him! moment. He lives on the edge. Whoever she was, I must have scared the living daylights out of her. James Bond 007 The Living Daylights Timothy Dalton was originally going to play Bond between Sean Connery and Roger Moore, so he was actually going to be the next, he was going to be the second Bond. Um, Mm. And when they did the Uh, when they did the auditions for that. um, They liked him, and they were going to have him do it, but then they, as they kind of thought about it, and I think even as he thought about it, they realized he was a bit too young to play Bond because they were looking at him um, as early as 1968, and I think he would have been in his 20s. So it it would have been a very young James Bond had they gone that route. Um, So after Roger, actually, um, yeah, they decided he was too young, and then after Roger Moore, it was supposed to be Pierce Brosnan right away. Um, mm-hmm. but the TV network that was in charge of Brosnan's show Remington Steel decided to extend his contract at the last minute so that as that not to lose him to the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. So when Pierce Brosnan couldn't do it, that's when Timothy Dalton stepped back in and he took over for these next two movies. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I read was in an early draft, this was going to be a prequel, um, that at the end of the film it would go through the whole story and then at the end of the film, Bom- Bond would be presented with his mission briefing for what would be the plot of Dr. No. Okay. So did not realize that. Uh, And then finally, this is the first movie where Bond is only with one woman. Hmm. So up to this point, there was a gaggle of women, but this one, just one. All right. Well, I'm going to back it up to the Siskel and Ebert uh, comments here, and I'll I'll let us get started off with that one. Um, Ebert gave it two stars. They both gave it, when they reviewed it on their show, they both gave it a thumbs down. Uh, Ebert gave it two stars in his written review for the Sun-Times and he said, quote, uh, that Timothy Dalton is a good actor. He's very convincing during the film's more serious moments. He has a great screen presence. He looks interesting but if he has a weakness, it's the comic side of the character.
1: And that's... Okay.
0: Yeah. Siskel gave it a thumbs down and he said, he's better than Roger Moore but coming from me, that's not much of a compliment. Thing. Okay, so, how do, Pat, how do you feel about that?
1: Do they like James Bond? Which James Bonds do they like? Or and do they just like none of them? Is that not their particular uh, genre? And then if he's not good at the comic thing, is that really worth taking off the two stars?
0: Right. And well, I, th- I think for these guys, I think that up to this point, because they're I think they're discounting George Lasonby. Um, okay. You know, they're not even counting him as a Bond. And I think in, in listening to their in listening to their review from their show from their at the movies show in eighty seven, um, they I don't think they liked Roger Moore very much. Um, Ebert kind of did. Ebert kind of liked some of the comedy, and I think that's why he didn't like Timothy Dalton as much. Mm-hmm. But Siskel was very much a Sean Connery guy. Like no one. Sean Connery is the only guy who's ever going to play James Bond and he's the best James Bond there is and, and you're just not going to top that. So I think mm-hmm. you had Ebert who, he, he likes Connery best. I think they both liked Connery best. And then Ebert was kind of like, well, you know what? But I like the comedic stuff. He even mentioned some, some of the, he considered it comedic with some of uh, Sean Connery's facial expressions. And he's like, yeah, there is a comedy side to James Bond and, and Connery did it well and Roger Moore did it really well. This guy doesn't do it well.
1: Hmm. It was a comic side James, Bond. Oh, I so I wonder what they think of Daniel Craig then
0: well, I know well, I mean they're dead, so
1: yeah, well, they're not thinking a whole
0: lot right now um but uh yeah, so I mean that i I guess that could be I guess that could be where we start things off is where does maybe where does Timothy Dalton rank in terms of James Bonds for you well. Because keeping yeah. in mind, keeping in mind at this point, he was only the third James Bond, so there weren't a whole lot of other people to contend with. But
1: uh fourth James Bond, right? Well, James fourth,
0: James right? If you're if you're going to count George Lazenby.
1: Um. So, first of all, I guess I, I I think we got it nailed where Siskel and Ebert are coming from. And you know, here's the thing: you can call you know you can be like big time movie reviewer and do all that kind of stuff, but I mean, it's still a subjective thing. And if Sean if Sean Connery is the only Bond for you, then You know, everyone else is going to be compared to that. So it's kind of like, well, okay. I I, I watch the Connery ones for John Connery. Watch the Roger Moore ones for Roger Moore. Watch this for, you know, I, I, I just, that, that comparison thing. Um, I I don't know. Sometimes that you kind of have a slanted view if that's the only guy that counts as a good bond. Right. Do you you get what I'm saying? So I don't know. To your question, um, where does it fall? Well, I mean, Daniel Craig for me is great as Bond. I think, you know, not just because they're the newest movies and so that, you know, the best special effects and blah, 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 blah. I just, I really like what they did with uh, Daniel Craig. I like the way Daniel Craig played Bond. Um and so I like that. I, I mean... I love which I love, you know, Sean Connery is bond. So, I mean, to me, I mean, that was the first bond movies I saw were Sean Connery. So, you know, that's always going to, that's always going to have an indelible effect, but yeah, I, I, I put him up there. I put him up there with, you know, I mean, Daniel Craig is the best and I guess everyone else ties for second kind of thing. You know, I mean, I, I put him up there with Sean Connery in, in terms of that. I know that's sacrilegious, um, to, to, to mention and, and the James Bond gods are going to strike me down with lightning, but I guess here's, here's my point.
0: Well, just wait. Cause they're going to come for me first.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. And I know <laughs> who you like, but I guess here's my, here's my point. I mean, are we talking about the best bond movies or are we talking about the best portrayal of bond? Yeah. I thought Sean Connery's portrayal, portrayal of bond is awesome. So maybe, you know, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, and then Timothy Dalton. But then in the same token, you know, those, those classic Bond movies were just that they were classic. I mean, incredible stories. They, you know, it it wasn't like the umpteenth movie in the franchise that kind of had to follow a, a pattern. So, you know, if I look at just Sean Connery ignoring the movie around him and just Timothy Dalton ignoring the movie around him, I think those guys both are putting in pretty phenomenal performances. Yeah. And, uh, You know, I think the movie around him, The Living Daylights, I think it was formulaic and it had a little bit of the cheese factor in there um, with the gadgets and stuff. But I I think that that Timothy Dalton's portrayal of Bond was. Was was pretty great, and I'm going to be I'm going to full disclosure, there's this incredible uh, documentary on Bond called All or Nothing to Lose or Nothing Mm. to Lose Mm -hmm. or something that makes its way around Netflix. I, I can't remember the exact title. That is an excellent documentary anybody that's a bond fan should check that out
0: um is it everything definitely... or nothing
1: yeah it's everything or nothing yeah that's what I'm thinking of if that's the title that's, it's it's some it it's kind of a
0: or that's it's a, a, it's... no that was a game
1: okay I don't know it it's we'll we'll look it up using uh the the Google machine no
0: I actually um, was I think it's everything or nothing I think it was a uh... yeah We'll look it up real fast. I think it was called Everything or Nothing. There was a video game called Everything or Nothing, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Everything or Nothing, the untold story of 007.
1: Yes, that is great. If you want the insights to yes. interviews and all that. I, I
0: remember cool. when that was on Netflix. That was really good.
1: Yes, yeah. And I'm going to be really honest with you. In watching the interviews with all the different actors, um, Timothy Dalton struck me as a really solid guy. He seemed like a cool guy. Um, really insightful, very intelligent. And so I know you're not supposed to let this happen, but uh, Timothy Dalton has kind of informed who I think is uh, kind of the best bond. And I was I was really, I liked his interviews and and all that. So how's that for an answer? So I guess if I had yeah. to just do it cold, i Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, but he's very close to uh, Sean Connery. And again, yeah. I, you know, if you take away the movies surrounding the man, I I think the man does pretty darn good job. Yeah. Okay. So your turn, man, what do you, what do you think?
0: Well, I, before I give mine, uh, I did put a poll out there on Twitter to ask, and we, we didn't get very many votes on it because I think I kind of did it sort of at the last minute yesterday. Um, but I did ask people since the eighties, who's been the best bond. So that kind of discounts, you know, Sean Connery right away. um, but uh so my options were Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig and so the the votes that we did get 100% of the votes were for Daniel Craig. So <laughs> Okay. Um yeah, favorite Bond. So I mean for me and this is where I said the Bond gods are going to come after me and strike me first. Um I grew up with Roger Moore. So mm-hmm. I, for me that's when I think of James Bond, that's the first thing I picture. Now if I was going to go back and rewatch any of the James Bond movies, I might be a little bit more likely to rewatch Casino Royale, um, mm-hmm. or Skyfall. Um, but you know what? I mean, just the, the characters in the Roger Moore, I mean, jaws, mm-hmm. just a, a character like jaws and just some of the iconic scenes from those movies. I think in particular of like the uh, Moonraker. um, I mean are, are they are they fantastic wonderful movies and is it the best portrayal of Bond I don't know but as a kid I loved them Yeah um you know Spy Who Loved Me was probably one of my favorite movies and I can in my mind I could probably run that entire movie through my head um and picture all the scenes uh you know at like the the pyramids and the you know the you know, all the different spots that they go to in the the City of Atlantis kind of thing that, that they've got going on and the the shark tank and all that stuff. And and they're just kind of crazy movies. Like they, they almost take it to, it's almost taken to a campy level. Um, and other people I'm sure would say, no, it, it's, I mean, it's not only campy. I mean, it's, they've put an RV up and they've started a fire and they're roasting marshmallows and it's about as campy as campy can be. But I don't know. I, to me, that was just, that's what I grew up with. As James Bond. Now, I know. You,
1: man. That's what you like to watch.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's what... In, you, you talked about, you know, Timothy Dalton in the interview kind of informing for you what makes the best James Bond. Roger Moore, to me, was kind of, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what left the first mark on me as a James Bond character. And those are the ones <laughs> that we would watch, you know, growing up. So, for me, that's James Bond. Now, right. if I want to go to the type of James Bond character that I like best... Overall, Mm -hmm. I think I enjoy the Roger Moore movies the best. The Mm -hmm. type of Bond I like better is probably Daniel Craig and Timothy Dalton. Because, and I think that's why I like Daniel Craig, because I remember watching the Jason Bourne movies and saying, wow, this would be a great Bond movie. Mm -hmm. At the time. I was like, okay, it's it's not really very campy. I mean, there's a a tiny bit of humor that comes through every now and then, but it's straight up action straight up espionage spy stuff um and I remember thinking at the time I'm like wow if the James Bond movies were like this then that would be amazing because I think Pierce Brosnan was still Bond at the time that the the first Born movies were coming out and mm-hmm. I you know of all of them I would rank Pierce Brosnan the lowest mm-hmm. he was okay but uh, to me he was a lot like to me he was like Roger Moore but he to 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 me someone who grew up with Roger Moore and liking Roger Moore Timothy Dalton to me was trying to be too much like Roger Moore Pierce
1: Brosnan or Timothy
0: I'm I'm sorry Pierce Brosnan yeah okay. And I wonder if that's because I, I tried to think about why they would do certain things with the Bond characters Did Timothy Dalton only last two movies um just because they were waiting for Pierce Brosnan to get done with his Remington Steel show so he could come in and do it did Timothy Dalton only last two movies because he was too different from Roger Moore and Sean Connery, and so that's what people were expecting a continuation of the Roger Moore stuff, and they didn't get it. And so then when Pierce Brosnan came back, he was to me Pierce Brosnan was very much like Roger Moore, right, in his movies, and and you brought the the, the campy factor uh, back to it when he came. But to me, it just was like there was a pretender there. It's like, well, no, Roger Moore did this first and he did it better. Right. And then you got well, Daniel see, Craig and- who then swings it back the other way because I think people got tired of the Pierce Brosnan stuff. And I, you know, you and I have talked about this before and, and we've said, yeah, I think Timothy Dalton was maybe just, he was the type of bond people wanted just too soon. Yeah. Because people like Daniel Craig, and I kind of feel like Timothy Dalton was the Daniel Craig Bond of his day.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think it's too different from Roger Moore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe that's it, because, you know, I look at it and I say, well, I'm looking at this movie and I'm seeing some great action. Yeah. You know, good Bond plot. There's bad guys. Music's good. Okay. Yeah, there was maybe... Maybe a little bit of the gizmo and gadgetry kind of, you know, laser beams coming from the hubcaps mm-hmm. and, and all that. Um, you know, the milk bottles that were like explosives when the uh, KGB yeah. or the rogue KGB agent busted in there. You know, you get a little bit of that stuff. Which maybe fits more with like the Roger Moore thing. But then you have Timothy Dalton playing it with, you know, less humor and more and all that kind of stuff
0: right i mean he's playing it pretty straight but with the occasional quippy one-liner
1: yeah yeah a drier sense of humor so Mm -hmm. i yeah i i really enjoyed that portrayal of him so i yeah maybe that's what it was it was just like a culture shock for too many people it was like you know yeah i think you said it right he's he was more of a transitional bond
0: yeah yeah, I and that's always been my assumption as to why he didn't last very long because it was just almost too, too different from Roger Moore and, and people just weren't they weren't necessarily ready for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I the movie itself. Now you mentioned a little bit earlier. You said this one felt kind of formulaic to you. What do you What do you mean when you say it felt formulaic? Just that it was the well, you know, a typical the- James Bond story because. Uh, and I'm gonna let you talk here in a second after I interrupt you a whole bunch of times. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was something that actually I think Ebert might have said in their uh, review on their TV show back in '87, and he said, or actually no, they were actually arguing about it. And I, Siskel might have said, "Well, you know what? I'm it's it's more of the same stuff. It's more of the gadgets. It's more of this. It's more of this." And um, I think it was Ebert who then kind of argued back with him. And he's like, well, well, what else do you want him to do? Like they've, you know, what more do they have left to talk about? What other story points do they have? And I'm sitting there listening to him going, well, guys, James Bond's going to keep going for, you know, at least 20, 30 more years after this. So um, mm-hmm. clearly there are other stories that they can tell. Uh, but I, just, I thought it was kind of funny that in 1987 they were saying, well, no, they've pretty much, you know, the, the well is dry. There's not a whole lot more they can do. Yeah. Well. So when I you said, so back to my original question, actually, when, when you say it, it was a little formulaic.
1: Well, I think it was, you know, Bond starts on, you know, you're, you're dropped into uh, the middle, quite literally, parachuted into the middle of a mission. Okay. There's some kind of initial action going on. And, you know, in this case, he's doing a war game, except there's, uh, there's something, I tell you, there's something on my tongue, I can't talk, but, ugh, I don't know what, I swallowed a hairball or something. I'm uh, sorry, so you're parachuted into the, to, uh, uh, you know, the movie in the middle of, a, of an action sequence. It's which not going like
0: to make any sense at all, but I might title this episode, I Swallowed a Hairball or Something. <laughs> there you go. Just because I never it thought I'd hear anybody say like, I never thought I'd hear anybody say that on yeah. the podcast. So that that might be the title of this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, there it is, man. There
0: yeah. it is. But we we um, digress. So continue.
1: Well, that's all. You know, you're in the middle of the action thing, and then all of a sudden he makes his escape, or he does something, or something blows up. You're into the song. Great song. Right. Then all of a sudden you're into okay the building of the story with the bad guys and what are they doing and then you know, Bond is assigned to this mission, and then, you know, there's a car chase, you go, well, no, you go see Q, Q gives you equipment that you're gonna use somehow, you're in the car chase, you know, there's the car, there's the car chase, there's some action, you escape, uh, M gets mad and says, you know, you're on the ragged edge, I'm pulling you off, nope, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do this, okay, well, then he goes and he goes kinda, pseudo goes rogue, and, uh, you know, big action sequence at the end, and uh, gets the girl, and everything's all good. I mean, that's kind of what I mean by formulaic. It seems to follow in the mold of the other Bonds that came before it. There's the gadgets and the gizmos and all that, and even though Timothy Dalton gives you a, a new um, look on Bond that we, I think we're both pretty you know, in favor of, there's still the gadgets and the gizmos and a little bit of the camp in this movie that you've gotten used to with the Roger Moore era. I don't know that you quite had the camp and all the gadgets in the um, um, Sean Connery era, Mm -hmm. but you you, you got into that with Roger Moore. So that's where I say it seems to kind of follow the formula of the past movies. Now, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I like the movies. I turn it on. Yeah, here's where our action, this is what's going to, okay, he's going to win. He's going to do this. Okay, this is where this action sequence go, you know? And okay, they're showing you a, a new guy playing Bond And he's bringing his own particular something, something to it. Okay, well, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got a new Bond. Let's keep the same kind of progression around him. And to me, that worked. It felt like, okay, cool. I'm ready for a Bond movie. I'm turning on. I know what I'm tuning in. I know what I'm expecting from the first get-go. I'm excited. I think I almost texted all you guys and said, dude, Bond's awesome. I can't wait to, (laughs) you know, finish this movie or something like that. So I don't think formulaic is a bad thing because the formula works, you know. I like eating my cereal with milk Now I've done it a hundred times before, but I'm not going to suddenly like go and put orange juice in it just to be different. I like my cereal with milk. So that's the formula for success. And right. that works with the bond movies. Yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. It's no. Kinda, yeah.
0: I just, I, I was yeah. curious what you what you were thinking when you said that. I mean, yeah. No, I, and I agree with you. I mean that, and you know, the last bond movie we talked about was a couple of years ago and it was a view to a kill and You know, as as much as some people have said that's the worst, one of the worst, or the worst James Bond movie, I I still like that movie Mm -hmm. because it's still got the same. For me, where this movie falls short is in the villains because I like those. I like those Roger Moore movies. I like the Sean Connery movies where there is a clear villain and I know who the villain is. And the villains, the villains, a little quirky. Yeah, like I. I'm I'm totally blanking out on the name of the guy. Uh, was it Strom? Was it Stromberg? Um, in Spy Who Loved Me, I think so. Mm, yeah, I think I, so I yeah. Him, uh, but I mean, you got him. You've got Max Zorin in View to a Kill. You've got uh, Blofeld in the old movies. Uh, you had Jaws. You had. I mean, you had these. You had uh, Odd Job. Um, you know, you had all of these characters in Moonraker. The guy in Moonraker. You had all of these characters that are. Um, was it Drax? Was that his name in Moonraker?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was.
0: Um, but I mean, you've got... See, I can name all of those characters because I look at those movies and I'm like, yeah, that was a great Bond villain. That was a great Bond villain. They were quirky in a way. They had personality. If I have any criticism of this movie, because I I did like... I like the music. I like the story. I like, Even though some parts of the story are a little convoluted. Um, mm-hmm. If I have any criticisms for this movie, it's two things. I'll, I'll give my criticisms, then I'll you know, I'll let you respond to those if you want or give your own um I liked nearly everything about this movie, except the story being a little convoluted, and here's my other two the villains
1: the okay. villains
0: to me were not interesting enough in this movie, okay, and I don't know that I knew who the villains were, mm-hmm. so I knew that there was this guy that was you know the the you know milkman assassin um I, until I looked him up on IMDb to see what his character's name was, I didn't know his character's name was Necros. Okay. No clue. You know, I just thought he was the assassin guy. And not that he needs a name, but if I can rattle off the other Bond villains like Jaws and Oddjob and, you know, all these other characters, those are the ones I like best because they had enough of a personality that I'm going to remember their name. When it came right. to the the American arms dealer in this one, I couldn't even tell you at the beginning of the movie that he was the main villain. Like, okay. So is he, Yeah, he's the one that seems to be pulling the strings, but the Russian is the Russian guy, a bad guy. And I, I don't know. So for me, one of the criticisms I have this movie is the villains that there's not to me, the the villain part, there's not a clear cut mastermind behind this whole thing. Um, and the villains didn't have enough personality. So that's one thing. Um, and I, and I guess to kind of back that up a little bit too is maybe that's, maybe that's the point because I know that this movie is also coming at the end of the 80s where the Cold War is, for all intents and purposes, pretty much over or winding down. Um, part of the story is you've got defectors that are leaving the Soviet Union and, and trying to come over to the British or the Americans or whoever. Um, so you've got kind of that part in there and I, maybe maybe the real world ambiguity of what's happening next. Like the Cold War is kind of coming to an end. It's winding down. So what are things going to be like? Maybe that's why the villains are ambiguous. Okay. Because I think this is the last time that the Russians are the villains in a Bond movie. Okay. I don't think they are anymore after this.
1: Um, Yeah, I don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So maybe maybe that's part of the point. Maybe there's not a clear-cut villain because you've got a Russian villain and an American villain and it's a weird mixture of we don't know who the bad guy is anymore cuz in the real world things are changing i i don't know so maybe that's part of it yeah. my other criticism of this one is the bond girl it is mary okay. maryam dabo i did not like her as a bond girl and not ne- and not because you know not because there needs to be some blonde bimbo as a bond girl mm-hmm. um because it was a weird relationship to me she seems I don't know if I felt this way as a kid when I watched this movie. She seems more mm-hmm. like a little sister for James Bond than she does a Bond girl.
1: Okay, I get you.
0: And so then it was because I think she acted very young in most of the movie uh, when mm-hmm. every time she would talk about Yorgi and how excited she was that he was going to you know, take her away. She, he promised to meet up with her after he defected. And you know, I just kind of the way she portrayed herself – as a character made her seem yeah. very young and very innocent. And so then when it came to the point where she and bond kind of fell for each other and, you know, enjoyed each other's company that way. Um, yeah. then it, to me, it was just weird. Okay. Because there was almost like at the beginning of the movie when they kind of met up and he was taking care of her and, and he was bringing her with him as they were, you know, going around and protecting her and trying to track down yorgie and where he was it was almost like a big brother, little sister kind of thing. It was more of a protective thing than there was a sexual tension thing. Um, and so when when it did happen, it was weird.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying with so, that.
0: Those are my two criticisms, the villains and the Bond girl. And And the thing is, even though I like this movie, if those are my two criticisms, I guess that's a pretty big criticism because in terms of the formula of Bond movies, those are kind of big deals. Yeah. So... So, I, I mean, I don't want anybody yeah. to think that I didn't like this movie. I do like this movie. It's 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 a great Bond movie. I don't know if I would list it up there, even in my top five. Um, uh-huh. But those would be the two criticisms I have. And now that I'm thinking about those criticisms for a Bond movie, that's kind of what they're known for. Is they're kind of known for James Bond. They're known for some of the gadget-type stuff. They're known for the villains, and they're known for the Bond girls. Right. So... I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? Did you have any? Were there any well, problems that you had with the movie, despite the fact that we we both kind of like it?
1: Well, um, I guess I had those problems, and I just reala- didn't realize that I had them <laughs> because what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, but I just didn't. It just didn't occur to me when I was watching the movie. Okay. Like you know, like the bad guys. I guess I wasn't like, oh man, where's like the mastermind or where's? I, it just. Um, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, you know, General, was it Koskov, was supposed to be the, uh, okay, we're rescuing him, well, then he got captured, okay, well, he's, okay, he's kind of a double agent, okay, he's a wall. he's the bad guy, okay. Yeah. You know, it, it just kind of went through, and then I was just like, okay, he's the bad guy, that's who they're fighting, end of story. But I do get what you're saying, that, you know, the really good Bond movies have that mastermind, that guy that's, it's almost like, you know, that, that original Batman TV show where, you know... The, the, uh, the, the Each week there was a different villain, and it was, you know, a very caricature, kind of larger-than-life personality. And you rattle them off, um, the ones going through the Bond movies. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Like, the Bond movies that are the really good Bond movies have that villain that really, you know he is the bad guy. And, uh, um, you know, he's kind of got that larger-than-life, for the stream, larger-than-life personality. And so in thinking back, it's like, yeah, okay, this one didn't quite have that. So it, it doesn't elevate this movie. It didn't bother me. Like I said, I didn't realize it until you brought it up. Yeah. And then even with the Bond girl, that was kind of the same thing. I, I didn't realize it. Um, I didn't realize it until you mentioned it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder why that came about. Were they trying to introduce a new kind of Bond? Was Timothy Dalton, did, did that just not fit with what he brought to the character? Um, you know, Bond is supposed to kind of be a womanizer that, okay, he'll get a love interest and they will be the Bond girl and he'll kind of attach, well, pardon me, pardon the expression, but he'll attach himself to her for the movie.
0: Right. In, in more but ways than one.
1: In, in Yeah. I didn't quite mean to turn a phrase like that, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, he didn't, you know, he he didn't quite do that in this one. You don't really get the sense of him being a womanizer, yeah. Uh, in, in this one, not not that I need that, but you know, in the other movies, you know, there there might be multiple women that that he uh, 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 you know gets with. In this one, you don't have that. So were they just introducing something new, or did that just not fit with Timothy Dalton? Maybe it was like, yeah, that's that's not going to fly with the, the way he portrays the character. Um, again and maybe this is why I like Timothy Dalton, all that kind of womanizing stuff, I, I, you know, whatever, I don't, that's not why I go check out Bond movies. So, you know, this guy's a little bit more about down the business. Yeah, he'll give kind of a wry grin when, you know, something humorous happens. But meanwhile, you know, there's bad guys to kill and worlds to save and let's get on with it. And I kind of like that. And I think that's maybe why I really like the Dalton Bond is is that, you know, it was, it was just, you know, down to business. I haven't read anything. I could be way off with that, but you know, now that the villain thing, now that you mention it, yeah. Okay. That does sit with it. The bond girl thing. Now that you mention, it, I get what you're saying, but that, uh, that doesn't bug me that much. I just, I'm just curious. I'm just wondering why. Yeah. And I wonder if it's, you know, like I said, with the, the way Dalton portrayed bond, the, the, the Dalton bond, if you will. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh well do you have a favorite scene or a favorite quote from this one? Favorite
1: quote. Um Yeah, I, I don't know about quote. I don't really I don't really have
0: this one's not as and I kinda found this one not as quotable. As yeah, maybe some of the other James because he still has some of the one liners, but it's just not as. I don't know. I feel like even though people think of you to a kill is not a great movie, there's still a lot of fun quotes in that one. Right. Um, right. I mean, you, you're, you, It's Christopher Walken, so you can't help but have some decent quotes every now and then. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just did seem like it didn't seem like this one was quite as quotable.
1: Yeah, no, agreed. Because I'm I'm sitting here kind of stymied for that. And as far as the uh, scenes, um, wow, I don't know. That uh, the opening scene was pretty cool. Um, him stealing the plane, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the car chase. Car chase was okay.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I. You know what? I I I don't. Uh, I don't know. What
0: about you? Do you have a favorite scene? Um, you know, I don't know. I, again, it this one to me is not quite as... Even though I like the movie overall, it, it doesn't have quite the same memorable moments as a lot of the other Bond movies do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I some of the ones would be like them uh, s- skiing down the hill in the cello case. Yeah. Um, And he's like, hands are the passport. He's like, flash this. Goes, we have nothing to yeah. declare except the cello... Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and they've got they they have still some of the same um, you know kind of one liner things that Bond was well known for, like when the uh, when he at the end when they're hanging from the plane and he cuts his boot laces off and the guy falls off and he goes back into the cockpit and and she's like, what happened? He got the boot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I, I got you know a few other a few other little one liners there, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's kind of, you know what? It's kind of like a sports team that doesn't have any all-stars in it. Right. But just does well, you know, they win their share of games. Maybe they're not going to win the title. They don't quite have like the big name, you know, household names in it, but like everyone does a good job. You know, that's kind of what I get with this or like a band, like no one's going to cut out solo but when they all get together, it works well as a whole. And that's kind of what I get with this movie. Right. Okay, this wasn't the most quotable. Okay, the scenes all kind of were cool action scenes. Um, but, you know, nothing really... It just the movie worked well as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I, all
1: right. I don't know. That's kind of what I get. I, I Again, I... I don't want to hold Timothy Dalton accountable for the movie around him because I, I, I really liked what he showed with, with Bond. Yeah.
0: So uh, before we wrap up, i got to have a couple of James Bond-related questions, maybe not related to the movie that we just talked about, okay. but related to James Bond in general. Um, if you were going to have Q invent something for you, what would you have mm-hmm. him invent? That's okay. And you could attach something to your motorcycle, you know. You could do something like that.
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say, I'm just like work over my motorcycle, like give it the give it the Q treatment, you know. So there's like oil and rockets and lasers and all that kind of stuff. That would be cool. Um, You know, if I need something specific, I I don't know. You know, those Aston Martins that he makes are pretty cool. Not 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 the one from the not the one from the later movies. The what do they call it? The vanish. The one that would disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. But the the, the original. The uh, classic ones. The original. Yeah. The original Aston Martin. That was, you know, pretty cool uh, that Sean Connery drove. And that's still the the greatest scene. Spoiler alerts for Skyfall. Okay. Oh. If you haven't seen Skyfall. Okay. You should have had time to turn your. Yep, now now they've time to turn it, turn it your off. thing down. That's still the coolest scene ever is when he takes off in that old one rescuing. Uh, Uh, M. And then you know he's in the house and all of a sudden he pops up and he's sitting in the car. It's like, oh dear God, are they gonna have the machine guns out of the lights? And then sure enough they do. That's just awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I guess I want to get my hands on uh um one of those Aston Martins that he can do. Probably one of the vehicles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something from a Bond movie, the car. Something like in my own life, I just turn over my motorcycle and kind of like he said in Triple X. Take all that stuff and put it in this. So, there you go. What about you, man? You I would have a list.
0: You know, and well, and before I say that, I I I'll go back to a favorite scene, or at least a scene that I thought was kind of funny. Um, The when they're putting him in the pipeline, when he's he's putting put in the uh, the pig mm-hmm. for them to shoot him down the pipeline, and it's like, yeah, you know, we 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 converted this so that a man would be able to ride in it, and it's it's fine. You'll be all right. You be how many times have you done this? You're the first. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did like that, that part, good. but. Um, yeah. oh man, I, something that, and I, here I am asking the question I don't even know what my answer would be. Um, I feel like, well, see, I, I don't have an Apple watch and I would really like an Apple watch at some point, but I'd like a Q Apple watch that has like lasers mm-hmm. and all kinds of other stuff built into it. Right. Sure. So.
1: A grappling hook that can support a man's weight.
0: That would be great. So, you know, I, so- for me, I'm going to need a couple of grappling hooks, but.
1: Well, and it's so funny because they always, he always comes up with gadgets when they get it that like are so random, but somehow he finds a use for them. Right. And I'd like to go back and like, you know, assemble a list of all the different gadgets he gets and then see if he'd be able to use those because they're like, you know, how do you know that you can have a little keychain that if you whistle, uh, you can shoot out poison gas or stun gas or right. an explosive? Like, did you know that this mission was going to call for something like that? Or was it just like, "Hey, here's something new," you know? I mean, it's never like, "Here's the standard issue stuff we give all spies." It's like, ah, right. "Here's a couple new things. See what you can use them for." Isn't there? Well, you wasn't know? there?
0: Wasn't there one where they hand him, they hand bond a watch, and they're just like, "No, it's just a watch." Yeah. Didn't that so happen? I, maybe I, in like Casino Royale, or.
1: Yeah, I think there was something like that, and then you know, in um, yeah, they do. They say, "Well, this is just a watch." Right. And so then what, I, what does I it do? Is it a, and it's just a watch? In um, uh, 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 Skyfall, when the bad guy has him captured and he says, so is that this, is it a Q branch special that does this, that, and the other thing? And Bob's like, no, this is a radio. And I forget what the line is, but it's like, <laughs> I call people or it, this is just mm-hmm. a radio. And then that's when, like, MI6 shows up and they capture the bad guy or something like that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a couple of those little jokes in there.
0: Yeah, so I I think I would do something like that. Well, like you said, like how you're wondering how each of these gadgets is going to play out. I I would still like to know the couch where the guy disappeared into the cushion cushions? No. I know. I know. What mission is that going to get used on?
1: Yeah. Okay, the ghetto blaster, that was funny. Oh, the ghetto blaster, that's
0: fine. Well, because I mean that's actually what they call that's actually those right. stereos like that is what they call those in England. They call them ghetto blasters.
1: Right. Right. So
0: that's funny. Well, Yeah, I you know, I I don't know. It's not quite as intimidating if if Q were to uh, uh, trick out my Nissan Sentra, so I don't know that I'm don't I need any of the car stuff. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask for an Aston Martin because I, I just about guarantee those don't come in automatic transmission, and I can't drive stick. So,
1: well, the old school ones, but the new ones now are probably all that like you know paddle shift or something.
0: like Well, that. yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe that, yeah. I don't know something that shoots lasers and causes explosions and can unlock any door and right. hack into any computer and I'll, so a Q watch. I'll do a Q watch.
1: Sharks with some frickin' lasers on their head. Can exactly, I, I would take those. Fricking lasers on their head. Isn't that what Doctor Evil was all upset
0: about? Sea bass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all I asked. That's a great movie too. I that's still that's a few years away. That's ten more years away, but
1: it's gonna be that much better when we get there.
0: I know. Um, okay. And uh, did you ever play back in the day, did you ever play Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64?
1: Okay. So here's, here's here's past Goldeneye's Nintendo yeah. 64 story. Okay, it was probably I think N64 came out in and around my first year in college, or maybe Goldeneye did. And then, like, you know, some dudes had Nintendo 64s. And then they get GoldenEye. And for the first weekend, I had a chance. Like, we were just going round robin, and everyone had a chance. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, cool, this is, works. And then, like, you know, you get a week worth of classes and stuff. And then the, hang- the next hangout on the weekend, we all go play. And then all the jerks that had the thing, like, that's all they did for the week was play GoldenEye. So for the second week, I was just getting owned by everybody. It yeah. was like, you know, I was walking into Proximity Mines. Every time I, you know, you play for ten seconds and you're out. And it's like, dude, okay, I'm done, I'm out, I just whatever. So it was cool for like the first weekend, and then after that, everyone got good because I just didn't have it and didn't have time to practice it. So everyone just kept fooling me in it, and I just kind of, I just kind of gave up. Yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my golden eye. That's my golden eye story. What's yours? That's fine.
0: Uh, well, my golden eye story is I'm one of the jerks that uh, skipped classes and played <laughs> that instead.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, uh-huh.
0: right? Oh yeah.
1: Because there's always that guy that's just like, dude, I can't, you know, I'm stuck in the corner. I can't turn around. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Bam. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So what was your uh, what was your favorite gun to use in GoldenEye?
1: Um, you know, I don't know. I probably went for whatever, like, you know, you could pick up like an assault rifle or just whatever big, just big gun that just could destroy everything automatic and all that. Mm-hmm. The Golden Gun was pretty cool. I thought that was slick that you could get the Golden Gun in there. and The, the, the Golden
0: Gun was awesome.
1: And that's like the one shot ends it,
0: right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one shot with the golden gun and you were dead. Um, the other one I would use quite a bit was the Moonraker laser.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And the, uh, let's see, was the, was his usual, um, or was the uh, the PP7 was the silencer gun? Okay. That was another one. You could kind of sneak up on some people. Um, I, the golden. Whenever I could get the golden gun, that's the one I went for. Okay. But I would, be, yeah, I, there would be times where I'd use the moon laser too. Got it. Oh yeah. man, we, we must've spent hours playing that game. I don't even know how many classes I must've skipped in order to play that <laughs> well, game. Well, I
1: know you got good enough that after having it for a week and, you know, there was some guy that just had about 10 seconds of, you know, life expectancy before mm-hmm. someone blasted him, you know, six ways from Sunday and he's done. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the originals, right? One of the original first-person shooters, or am I way off? Um, was Doom the first?
0: It was. Well, there had been other first-person shooters before that. There was um, the first one I ever remember playing was Wolfenstein 3D. Okay. I used to play that quite okay. a bit. Uh, then Doom. Um, then after Doom, I feel like there were some other ones. Um, was Duke Nukem? Okay. I think Duke Nukem was another one. Oh, that yeah. came out around that time, but this one though, it was one of the first times that you really had to deal with. Um, you, you really had the opportunity to like sneak up on people. Yeah. Because if you could, depending on like your proximity, if somebody fired, uh, if you had the silenced one, I don't think it warned anybody. But if you fired a gun, you you could both hear it, and it didn't it set off like some kind of like a proximity alarm that somebody was close to you.
1: Yeah. I think it did. And is there, did Nintendo 64 have the controllers vibrating?
0: I, mm, I think so. I don't remember. I don't know, remember if that, if that came out. You know what? I think you could get an attachment that would rumble the, the controller. Okay. I think you could attach something to the controller that would cause it to rumble. If I'm remembering that right. 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 Yeah. Well, whatever it did,
1: it was, yeah, it gave it away. What, I, you know what? I do remember doing in Wolfenstein 3D. But I think this was the first multiplayer one, right? Because you get like four people on the TV screen. You know, I mean, in I think back in so. college, you had these mini TVs that were like, you know, your your viewing thing was like, you know, six inches square yeah. of a of a space to look at. But were there other multiplayer ones? I don't remember them if there
0: were. I you know there there were a few others around that time, but I don't remember. I don't remember how early this one came out compared with some of those others. Life. And there was another one. Actually, there was another game, and I'm, um, oh man, I'm going to forget what it was called. Um, there was another game that kind of used, I think it used Goldeneye as its basis, um, but it was set in, I think it was set in more of like a futuristic sci fi kind of world. And it had a okay. gun, and I'm, I'm absolutely going to forget the name of this game. It had a gun that was like the Golden Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this gun could shoot through walls. So you had an X-ray okay. gun. Okay. Oh, what was the name of that game? But it actually used, it took the same levels from GoldenEye. So you had the same uh, locations, but it, they colored it slightly huh. differently. It was not a James Bond game. Okay. But it used some of the exact same locations and same levels and same you know uh, layout for the floor plan and everything else. Um, but it was set in a futuristic thing and you could have, uh, there was a you could get for a short amount of time this stealth thing that made you invisible um, Okay. and then you had this gun, oh man, I'm going to forget what it is um, but you had this gun that would, you could x-ray through the walls and you could kind of follow whoever it is that you wanted to follow around and then you could fire mm-hmm. at them. Um, nice. Oh, no, 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 you know what? Here it was. Um, I was looking it up real fast to see Uh Perfect Dark, I think is what it was called. Perfect Dark. Yeah. Uh, Says so I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. Using an upgraded version of the GoldenEye 007 game engine, Perfect Dark was released in 2000 for the Nintendo 64. The game features a setting and storyline unrelated to James Bond. It shares many gameplay features, including similar controls, mission objectives, uh, cheat options, unlockable through level completions, and... Um, yeah I think this is the one I think perfect dark was the one that had the let me look at see I'm gonna pull it up here and see if I can see the cover of the game uh yeah, this was it yeah it had a game that was um it was like an x-ray gun that you could fire through walls, okay, and oh man, I hated that I love that game, but I hated anybody who had that gun because you could think that you're totally safe hiding in a corner somewhere and boom all of a sudden you're dead right. Right.
1: Yeah, someone yeah. always would figure that out. Was the bond one of the ones with the proximity mines, or was that Halo?
0: No, that was. I think that was that was Goldeneye. That was yeah. Because you, could set, well, you, could, like well, you could set the mines. Well, you could. Well, you could set the mines, and I think you could. I think there were proximity mines, but I think you could even set the mines, and then you it pulled up your watch, and you could set off the mine manually. Oh jeez. I think that was another one. Yeah. Oh, man, now I got to see if I can find a Nintendo 64 emulator and play that game. Yep. Well, so you're going to go do practice. your movie list, and I'm going to go see if I can find a copy of Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah,
1: that sounds good. Well, now we could probably like, there's probably like, you know, be cool if you could find like an online one so that, you know, when we should be asleep, we can put our kids to bed. And then, right. you know, we could
0: like play online against each other. Okay, well, I know what I'm doing later tonight.
1: Yeah, I won't last long. I mean, I'll give you yeah. about five, ten seconds of a challenge, and then I'll, like, wander into a proximity mine with the automatic golden gun shooting right. through the wall or whatever you guys figured out well, when I was busting my butt in music theory I, 101.
0: I haven't played GoldenEye for, like, what, 21 years? so Or 20-whatever years, so I, I guarantee I'm going to be a little rusty at it if I ever find
1: yeah, it. Yeah, but so. that, that stuff comes back. I mean, yeah. that stuff comes back. You know it comes back.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, I probably spent more time doing that than actually studying my major, so...
1: Yeah, when Mike Tyson's punch out, when you get to the first round with Don Flamenco, I can still beat him with my eyes shut. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's like, it, it,
0: yeah. All right. Well, I, you got anything else for Living Daylights?
1: I don't think so, man. It was All a right. great movie. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah, so I mean, again, it's not you know I don't if I if I was going to rank and I'm not going to have us rank our, our Bond movies right now, but if we were going to rank our Bond movies, it's not going in my top five. It's probably uh, I don't know if it's going in my top ten. You know, maybe it's in the top ten, but um, you know, it, again, it's not it's not up there as one of the best Bond movies ever. But is it? Do I think it's one of the worst Bond movies ever? No. Um, you know, and and in terms of my favorite. James Bonds, I would put Timothy Dalton you know what before, because we talked about this a couple years ago when we, when we went to go watch Spectre um, if it wasn't for uh, Quantum of Solace and um, mm-hmm. and Spectre uh, Daniel Craig would, would absolutely be probably my favorite Bond right now at the top of the list mm, I don't know because I like both of Timothy Dalton's movies, and for me, Daniel Craig has been kind of half and half.
1: Now, is that because you think of his portrayal as uneven, or you're just saying, you know, you can't separate
0: well his as as characterization as a, of Bond, and yeah, you know, a, as a you portrayal of it. as a portrayal of Bond. I guess I got to give it to Daniel Craig for the movies okay. overall as films. I think okay. I might like. I don't know. Cause I did not like Quantum Solace and uh did not really like Spectre. Okay. So so in terms of his movies, they've been kind of half and half for me. In terms of his bond, I think I still like Daniel Crick the best right now. Mhm. So yeah. But yeah, no, a great movie. You know, if you've never seen it before, it's definitely worth uh, giving it a shot. It's it's a different. So you may not have, if you if you don't watch a whole lot of James Bond movies, you may not have actually seen the Timothy Dalton movies because he only did two. So um, he's he's got a bit of a disadvantage to the other Bonds in that their movies are a little bit more, you know, a little bit more available. There's more of them to go watch, and you know, I I don't know. Maybe people just kind of consider him to be a you know, a, a false start of a bond. Um, I don't know. Well, the I, movies,
1: the movies. they wanted to go a different direction. Right. If the if the, if the movie company wanted to go in the direction of what you see with the Pierce Brosnan movies, nothing against them. Gold right. and I was, was, was pretty straight up. Yeah. The other ones just got a little sillier, and that's something that Pierce Brosnan himself said on um, that uh, everything or nothing or whatever yeah. the heck they call that, that bond special I was referring to that documentary. He was actually making funny. of, he's like, you know, they, he, he said it got to the point where they were contacting him. Like we're going to have you driving an invisible car and parachuting down with these hovercrafts on <laughs> ice. And and he was just like, <laughs> he was laughing. He's like, I was just telling him, okay, sure. You know, it was, <laughs> he even said that it just got seen yeah. here. That's the direction that they were, I guess, wanting to go. And, I guess you know he's just didn't fit in. Yeah. But that's okay. You know, what did uh, what did Harvey Dent say in uh, in the Dark Knight? You know, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And right. if you went out, if, if License to or if uh, License to Kill is what you go out with, bam! I mean, live on that. Cause that's that,
0: fine.
1: You know, both of these movies were great, but I mean, License to Kill that was that was some really slick stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I, that's going that's to do it thing. for us. That's for, what I
1: think. That's yeah.
0: what I think. No, I, and I agree, I agree with you. So uh, if you disagree with us, if you want to agree with us even more, feel free to get in touch with us. But if you disagree with us, feel free to get in touch with us as well. Yeah. Uh, let us know. Um, so you can do that through reaching us on Twitter. If you go to our website, three zero so 3030podcast.com, uh, that has all the different ways on our website that you can get in touch with us. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, We have a voicemail line, so if you want to call in, uh, we will play your voicemail on the air, and we will respond to it. We've also, we do a little bit more interaction on Twitter. So we kind of mentioned, you know, we're trying to get more followers on Twitter and all that. So we do pretty regularly interact, pretty regularly interacting on there with people, Um, you know, just continuing some of the conversations and, and promoting some other podcasts and other shows. Uh, We've also got... uh, We're we're on a lot of the other podcatchers. So if you're using Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes, uh, we are on all of those uh, major platforms for getting your podcasts. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have anything uh, that you want to say about Living Daylights or any of the other Bond movies or portrayals of Bond or if you think we are totally off base uh, or if you absolutely agree with us and you want to lump uh, crazy amounts of praise... On us, uh, feel free to go ahead and do that too. We we won't stop you. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's to do it for Living Daylights. Uh, what we've got coming up, I know I mentioned at the top of the show, coming up in April, uh, we've got our Good Journey month. So first up is going to be the Princess Bride, awesome mm-hmm. movie, awesome movie. Then we've got mm-hmm. the Chipmunk Adventure. We might have a guest uh, co-host coming on for that one. We I have a friend who we play trivia with. And she is a huge fan of the Chipmunk Adventure movie. Uh, so we may have her uh, come on for that one if we, can, if we can kind of organize our schedules around that. Uh, then we've got Planes, Trains, yeah. and Automobiles, even though that's a Thanksgiving-themed movie. Uh, our month is Good Journey, so people going on journeys or trips. So we're going to throw that in there for this one. And then finally, Masters of the Universe, which I, I don't even know what to say.
1: I don't know what to say. Today. In in a good way,
0: I'm I'm at a loss for words. I, that I don't care what anybody else says about that movie. I love that movie. There you go. So. So we are starting April off right with the Princess Bride, and we are ending it right with Masters of the Universe. Amen, brother. Done, done, and done. Good journey. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So if you want to get in touch with us all those different ways. Uh, We've also got email. You can do 30podcast at gmail.com, but 30podcast.com will get you the rest of those ways you can get in touch with us or listen to the show. So in the meantime, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Be excellent to each other. Go out and watch some good movies, and we'll see you guys next time.
1: Bye. Bye.